0: We're in the thick of spooky season. In every neighborhood, there's always that one house that you ride your bike past just a little bit faster than the others. So if you're not going to bed scared, you're doing it wrong. Mama! What is it, baby? I can't see you. It? Baby, I'm right here. I don't want to go to hell! I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly. In honor of this year's Friday the 13th, in October, no less, we are counting down five must-see picks from TV and movies to get you in the Halloween spirit. But first, your entertainment headlines. Whoopi Goldberg had nothing short of a religious experience during her multi-day absence from The View, as the Oscar winner revealed the godly good reason why she wasn't on the show for two days straight. The 67-year-old actress shared several dispatches from Vatican City on Thursday, hours after The View aired without her in the moderator seat with Joy Behar informing audiences that Goldberg wasn't present so she could work on a special mystery project to be revealed on the show's Monday, October 16th episode. Well, Goldberg's series of Instagram stories began with her checking out of a hotel in Rome before making her way to Vatican City. Eventually, we see her outside of St. Peter's Basilica. Have a listen. Maybe since you're seeing everything, you're figuring out what I'm doing here. But... Picture Sister Act and all the nuns standing here waiting for the Pope to come out. Maybe that's going to happen in the new movie, you don't know. You never know. But we are in Rome and I am in Vatican City. What could I be doing? Why could I be here? So, yeah, so remember I said I was here and, you know, we're looking at all these different things. And I think I forgot to mention. I met the Pope today. It's pretty remarkable. Wow, way to bury the lead there, Whoopi. Well, by the way, EW has reached out to representatives for The View and Goldberg for more information. Goldberg has long voiced her plans for Sister Act 3 after the sequel spent years in development. The Disney Plus project got a significant update when producer Tyler Perry appeared on The View in September 2022, saying he had a good script in place for the film. The Daryl and Carol Walking Dead spinoff that then became just a Daryl spinoff is now becoming a Daryl and Carol spinoff again. At a New York Comic-Con panel for The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, moderated by EW's Dalton Ross, series star Norman Reedus announced that Melissa McBride would be joining season two of the AMC spinoff as a series regular. The news follows McBride making a vocal cameo as Carol on this past Sunday's episode on a radio call with Daryl, where she announced that someone had come back, although radio interference blocked the identity of who had come back. And Rudolph Isley, the singer and songwriter best known as a founding member of the chart-topping R&B group The Isley Brothers, has died. He was 84. Rudolph Isley formed the iconic group with his siblings O'Kelly, Ronald, and Vernon as a young man. The fledgling group sang at their local church in a Cincinnati suburb and moved on to perform at churches throughout the region, even winning a competition on Ted Mack's Amateur Hour series. However, they disbanded in 1955 after Vernon, the lead vocalist, was hit by a car and killed at just 13. In 1957, the Isley brothers reformed and moved to New York. By 1959, they had released their first single for RCA, Shout. Into the 1960s, the group found success with more singles, such as their own twist on Burt Burns' Twist and Shout in 1962. It was their first top 40 hit. In 1966, they signed to Motown and had another hit with This Old Heart of Mine is Weak for You. That would be their second top 40 hit. The Isley brothers continued to perform into the 1970s, bringing in other family members and relatives. More hits followed, like That Lady, Summer Breeze, and Fight the Power. The group went on making music, but Rudolph left the group in 1989 to become a Christian minister. He was, however, part of the group inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1992. For more on all of those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and more, head on over to EW.com. Friday the 13th is the perfect day for horror icon John Carpenter to return to the director's chair. Or maybe Halloween would be the perfect day. Either way, John Carpenter's Suburban Screams starts us off today as our number five pick. Carpenter, who last directed a film in 2010, helped create the series that is part true crime, part horror anthology. Each episode dives into one true story from suburbia with a supernatural twist. Each of the series' six episodes features interviews with the people who experience these horrors alongside loose reenactments of the terrifying situations. Here's the trailer. In every neighborhood, there's always that one house that you ride your bike past just a little bit faster than the others. something like this (laughs) we now accepted that we were the hunted I was scared to death in one night police fielded 50 calls about a man in a rabbit suit with a hatchet this was real now you're locking windows you're locking doors (laughs) I know that house and I know what it's capable of With this place. Well, fans of Carpenter's classic films, including The Thing, The Fog, and, of course, Halloween, will be thrilled to see that Carpenter directed one episode of the series and wrote the eerie theme music. John Carpenter's Suburban Screams makes its debut today on Peacock. <laughs> If the idea of Courtney Cox being plagued by a demon that's not the Ghostface Killer intrigues you, well, look no further than our next pick. Season 2 of Shining Veil kicks off this weekend because... Of course it does. Now, season one of the horror comedy ended with Cox's Pat learning that her neighbor, Rosemary, played by Mira Sorvino, is actually a demon who possessed her body and turned her life upside down. And in a probably misguided attempt to save her life, her family committed her to a psychiatric hospital. So, season two picks up four months later when Pat is released from the psychiatric hospital early to discover that her children don't need her. Her husband, Terry, doesn't even remember her. The new neighbor looks like Rosemary, and the house is beginning to reveal its dark past. Here's a preview. I'm rehabilitated. I've learned my lesson. I am no longer a danger to society. Okay, well, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. So let's stick to the story. No ghosts, no demons. You've had a mental breakdown while you're writing your book, and now you're recovered. That is the story. Yep, just like that. Crazy. I'm home, and I'm in control. Well, Jake and I don't need you, and Dad doesn't remember you. Was I a good husband? Oh, Terry, you were the best husband. I really want to focus on this family. Anyone here in favor of that? No. No, thanks. Hey! what do you think would happen, darling? Get your brain scrambled and life would be perfect? That's what you'll talk about on the book tour. I don't want to be some mental patient on display. I'm not that person anymore. (gasps) Hello, dear. Honey, are you okay? Hi, dear. You see her? Yeah. (laughs) What if my psychosis got into the family? I need to remember what happened. Something is wrong with me. I feel like I'm losing control, maybe. But you're a genius writer. Thank you to Pat Phelps for reading that dirty, dirty chapter. Mrs. Phelps will now sign copies of her book before it gets banned. I Pat, you let me in and there's no escape. I'd give anything to make this all good again. I could help you, but it'll cost you. You. In other words, something is lurking in the shadows of Shining Vale, and it's not just the demon. The series also stars Greg Kinnear, Gus Bernie, Dylan Gage, and Marin Dungey. Season two premieres tonight at nine on Stars. Trivia. It's trivia time. While a Friday the 13th pops up once or twice most years, it's rare that the ominous date pops up in October. In fact, we haven't had a Friday the 13th in October since 2017, and it won't happen again until 2028. So as you'd expect, studios love releasing spooky movies on a Friday the 13th, but which of these movies was not? And we have five choices for you. Was it Evil Dead 2? Cabin in the Woods, Cape Fear, Friday the 13th, or Ghost? And yep, we're talking about the ghost with cinema's most famous pottery scene. Stick around for the answer. Number three. Season three of The Boys brought you the cutest little cartoon animals that... Tore each other apart in the bloodiest fashion. Well, now the spinoff, Gen V, our number three pick, is doing the same, but with adorable puppets. Much like Black Noir's imaginary critter friends, Asa German's Sam sometimes hallucinates the world around him as a Muppet reality. A standout sequence of the forthcoming fifth episode sees what happens when Muppet Sam fights a whole squad of Muppet SWAT team. Plus, there's everything else the kids of Godolkin University are dealing with. Have a listen. There are days that I am missing. Like huge gaps in my memory. Mine too. There are dangerous, evil people at that school. <laughs> right evil awaits at god you and on amazon prime video where the latest episode of gen v is streaming now all right folks don't go anywhere our top two picks and soundbite of the week are coming up what to watch we'll be right back you get your podcasts, you can also find us online at southernliving.com/slash-biscuits-and-jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. Oompa Loompa Dupity reboot. Willy Wonka is trying to invent something special in the second trailer. For Wonka, a new movie about Roald Dahl's Candy Tycoon. And in our soundbite of the week, everyone thinks Wonka might be onto something with his new confection. Have a listen. The best chocolate in the world. Ooh. He's good. Too good. And anyone can afford them. Even the, the poor. No, I... He doesn't like it when people say poor. No, I... Ah, the suspense is terrible. We hope it lasts. Wonka, directed by Paddington's Paul King and starring Timothy Chalamet as the titular chocolatier, slides out of the factory and into theaters on December 15th. Our number two pick this weekend will give you, well goosebumps because it's goosebumps a new series based on rl stein's classic book series the 10 episode show starts as a new teacher played by justin long moves to town and takes up residence in a haunted house here's a bit of the trailer have we met nathan bratt i'm the new english teacher you live near here Yeah. The old Biddle House. (laughs) The Biddle House? I did hear the horrible story about the boy who used to live there. You know, I hear it's haunted. (laughs) Have you seen anything strange happening there? (laughs) Say cheese! (laughs) That is not funny! No. Not that I can think of. Well, five kids are digging into the death of a teen, Harold Biddle, who died in the teacher's house, but discovered that the legends about the haunted house might be real, and Biddle's death might have been something to do with their parents. Some weird stuff has been happening. Something's clearly wrong. Why would you do that, man? That's not cool! There's no such thing as a curse, dude. That isn't real. I get those goosebumps every time. Are you Okay. (laughs) (coughs) <coughs> get the okay. get This is all connected. He's getting revenge. <coughs> for what our parents did to him. I get those every time. Oh my god, we're murder Nepo babies. You come around, yeah. Tell us what's going on. It's obvious you know. That's why all of this is happening to us. I'm waiting on, yeah. I get those every time. We have no choice. This ends now. So each of the series episodes is named after a Goosebumps book. So fans of the series may recognize titles like The Cuckoo Clock of Doom, Go Eat Worms, and Night of the Living Dummy. You'll have to stream the show to find out if it's just a bit of fan service or if there's something more to the connection. The first five episodes of Goosebumps arrive on Hulu and Disney Plus today. Almost half a century after director William Friedkin's original Exorcist scared up a huge box office hall and 10 Academy Award nominations, the franchise has returned to possess cinema screens with The Exorcist Believer, our number one pick this Friday the 13th, and number one in theaters last weekend. This sequel stars Hamilton actor Leslie Odom Jr. as a father whose young daughter disappears for three days and returns terrifyingly changed. Let's take a listen to a clip from the film's trailer, if you dare. What you're doing here is dangerous. People have died on both sides of possession. Come on, baby, come back to us, okay? <laughs> if you don't make it out, don't make. It. What is it, baby? I can't can't see you. Baby, I'm right here. I don't want to go to hell. God, Play that trick on Uh you. Oh, well, The Exorcist Believer has a horrifically good cast, which also includes Anne Dowd from Hereditary and The Handmaid's Tale, Sugarland singer Jennifer Nettles, and Oscar winner Ellen Burstyn, who's reprising the iconic role of Chris McNeil from the original film. Any of you who feel compelled to see the first film in a planned Exorcist trilogy can check out the movie in theaters now. TRIVIA and finally, this weekend, the answer to our trivia question. Which of these spooky films was not released on a Friday the 13th? Was it Evil Dead 2, Cabin in the Woods, Cape Fear, Friday the 13th, or Ghost? Well, congratulations. If you were onto the ruse, it was... Friday the 13th. The iconic slasher movie was not released on the iconic date. It wasn't, in fact, even released in October. It was originally released in May 1980, though the franchise has certainly taken advantage of a Friday the 13th release date when available. Five of the series films, including the 2009 reboot, were released on a Friday the 13th, though none of those were a Friday the 13th in October. And that is it for our show this weekend. We will have more news and musty picks for you on Monday, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm executive editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend. This episode of What to Watch was written by Dustin Nelson, Clark Collis, Nick Romano, Lauren Huff, and EW staff. Edited by Sammy Junio. Produced by Ashley Boucher and Alamin Johannes, and hosted and produced by Jared Hall. One, two, watch.